everybody. Did I get you? Welcome to the show. Today on the show, we have a really cool guest. But before we get to that, we got to do, got to pay the bills. Infinite Off-Road is the world's best lighting sponsor, all things sponsor, just all-in-one package for everything you ever need for lighting and various other things. Uh, rock light kits, widest and brightest patterns, they're the only kit in the entire world that includes a pure white dedicated emitter. They have wheel rings for your trucks, really cool. <laughs> they have whips. I've seen more conversation about these light whips than I have in a long time in the past couple weeks. And i got to say, Infinite Off-Road has a 25-year, you-break-it-they-replace-it warranty on their whips. Nobody else in the entire world has a warranty like that. They even cover accidental damage. All you have to do is go online to infiniteoffroad.com. Uh, we actually have a coupon code. Use the code word ROCKS. R-O-C-K-S to get 10% off your entire order on the website. Infinite Off-Road's customer service is also unparalleled in the lighting industry. I personally know the owner pretty well and he's a great guy. He's been amazing to deal with every single time and uh, my questions were always answered in a really timely manner and again it's just been nothing but a pleasure to deal with him over the time. The next person or should I say the next business I'd like to spotlight is All Things UTV. It's kind of amazing because they literally carry everything. <laughs> uh, one of the things that they carry, which I think they're out of stock right now, but between you and I, keep an eye out for it, is a complete RS1 diff swap kit for the front diff in your either XP1000 or your Turbo Razor. That is com that includes the plate, that includes the differential itself, um, that also includes turbo axles if you need to make that upgrade if you're putting it in a 1000. Um, it's great. That is the only place I have found that actually offers the entire package what you need to get up and get ready and get gone. They also have the best deals on wheels and tire packages as well as shifters, blow-off valves, apparel, Axle Magic to help you get the stuck axles out of your differential in the back, um, or the front for that matter. I mean, you name it, they've got it. All Things UTV also is just killer when it comes to customer service. If any of you guys are on Facebook or social media at all, you've seen Dustin Robbins just constantly online, always answering questions and always providing solutions to your problems with your UTV, I highly recommend go visit the guys at All Things UTV and tell them Racing on the Rock sent you. Today on the show, we have somebody who I reached out to the very first week of the podcast and we just couldn't make it happen until this week. Anthony Yon. Anthony is an Ultra 4 driver, he used to be Rock Bouncer driver, he now does the Pro Rock Endurance Series. This guy has pretty much done it all. And we started, about, we started talking about where he came from, how he got into the sport, and then the evolution of where he's at now with an incredibly unique Ultra 4 car that he's racing this weekend in Oklahoma. I don't want to give too much away for the podcast. I will say this was a great one. I had a really good time talking to him. I've met Anthony in person before. Uh, he's a great guy, and he is one of the most savage racers um, I've met probably ever. He has destroyed some machines in the name of uh, in the name of getting on that podium. So without further ado, my good friend Anthony. 
get a drink and gather around. Let's talk drivers. Let's talk rigs. Let's talk skill. You've got the best of the best in the off-road racing world. Have a seat at the table with us, and let's talk about racing on the rocks. First things first, welcome to the show, Anthony. How are you? I'm doing good. How about yourself, Jerry? I'm doing pretty good, man. Uh, first things first, you are one of the very first people I actually reached out to um, to get on the show back in February when we started. And you, just from our short conversations that we've had, you are one of the most hardworking guys I, I've been talking to. Because every time I talk to you, it's, it's hey, I'm tearing down a machine. I'm sorry. I got to, you know, I just pulled the motor out or this or that. So I'm stoked that we could finally make it work. And uh, I've been looking forward to this one for a while because uh, you've done some really cool things that I want to talk about. All right. Yeah. Uh, uh, we basically, me and my boy and a buddy of mine do all the work to three different race rigs and a 30 by 40 that's attached to my house. So I stay, uh, <laughs> I stay busy all the time and I'm on call for work about 24-7, so yeah, yeah. my well, schedule's So let's, let's start crazy. there. I, w- I want to start there and start with kind of you and uh, how you got into this, the whole mess of off-roading, because, you know, now you're in, you know, six feet under and uh, you're, you're doing it all. So how did you get started in the race world? Well, I guess it would have been uh, 2014. Uh, we, we grew up, uh, we got a couple local little small parks that are just kind of mud parks, and they got a few hills, but nothing... Nothing like we do now, by no means. But uh, we had a we had a mud jeep, and uh, it was a one one ton conversion with an LS or forty two. We decided to go down to Flat Nasty off road, which is actually our closest park, and that's that's three and a half hours for us. Man, uh, to the south, so all of these races are a pretty good travel. But uh, we went to Flat Nasty, and SRS is there, and I was like, "What is it?" I mean, we'd never seen anything even close to that. Yeah. And then uh, got to watching it on YouTube, you know, from as I am, and uh, Tim Cameron, of course, and all, Bobby Tanner, all the greats, and uh, like, well, I'd like to do that someday, but it's, it's way out of my budget, so uh, straight up was kind of putting some feelers out there late 2014 that they were going to start a, basically a rock-bouncing side-by-side series, mm-hmm. so I was like, well, that, that, that's in my budget, and I can make that happen, and uh, we started, and... Uh, I bought a buddy's razor that was total, <laughs> and took all the drivetrain out of it. And up to that point, I mean, I borrowed a bender to uh, build a cage from a 900 we had, but I hadn't really done much with it. Yeah. And I decided in, I don't know, December that I was going <laughs> to race this series that was starting in like February at Flat Nasty was their opening race. And we uh, built that first buggy, which uh, ended up being lime green shortly after it was built. And uh, named it No Respect. Uh, and that just kind of became our team name. Is there, is after there, we continued to write. Yeah, is there a reason you guys got with No Respect? I mean, that's a, that's, I like, to me, that's like a vicious, like, savage name, and I love it. And, uh, you know, I always wondered what caused you to name your, your, your team that? Yeah, so, as a kid, uh, my stepdad was into pulling trucks. Uh, they had two wheel drive, blown alcohol injected pulling trucks, and uh, he really got me into anything car-related. If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be interested in, you know, motors and things that go fast. Uh, we had a 68 Camaro project we did together. He was just kind of the basis behind me getting into motorsports, period, and he 
he passed away shortly before I started the, the No Respect buggy there. Yeah. And uh, his team name for his pulling truck was No Respect. So I just chose that to carry that on in his memory. And uh, we did him pretty proud the first year, I'd say. We, we, we came out strong. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm looking at pictures of this green buggy you built. Um, did you say it was based on a 900 XP? Uh, a 1000. Okay, uh, 1000 was, was kind of new at that time. Yeah. Now that was the end of 2014, but uh, uh, I found a totaled one here locally and we robbed everything we could rob and mm -hmm. built the chassis from ground up. Had no clue what I was doing. But it seemed, it seemed to work pretty well when we were done. So. I was about to say, for no clue what you're doing, man, this thing looks great. It's, I mean, to me, this looks like a lot of what. Uh, you know, the front half of it looks like what a lot of the Ultra 4 guys who build their own chassis kind of run, and then you tie it in with, it looks like the bed deletes that guys run now. I mean, it looks like it could compete today, and I'd be, you know, it'd be no shock to me to see it out there. Um, so, well done for your first run, for sure. Um, so, you, you get into this, you know, I, I, what you're saying is so interesting because, you know, you show up and you see the Southern Rock Racing Series um, in 2014, it was still a completely different world than what it is now. Um, the series has developed so much. So, at, at what point did you, you know, you had the you had the uh, 1000 buggy that was competing in the straight up series. Um, what came next for you guys? And you know, when did you eventually make that jump to the to the rock racing series? Well, there's a there's a lot in between there. Okay, well let's 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 roll it back then. Let's roll it back. So 2015, we come out with that buggy, and we went to fight Nasty. It was just kind of a feeler race, really. Yeah. And uh, we ended up winning it. And oh. at the time, I think there was only two other little, I'm going to call them baby buggies. Yeah. That's what they're termed on the, the interwebs there. Uh, uh, <laughs> Razor Sharp had built a couple. Yeah. So it was like the third little Razor buggy. But uh, we won that race, and it, it became our new passion. Little did I realize at the time that we were going to have to drive eight to ten hours to almost every race after that in the last five years. But, <laughs> Man. but uh, it got us hooked, and we ran the whole straight-up series that year in that buggy, and then also ran the 900 that I had. Yeah. And uh, we got the Unlimited Championship and the 900 Championship, and somewhere in the middle of the year, we came back to Flat Nasty, and, uh, and we actually won every class that day. <laughs> and they had a bounty hill, and... We won the Bounty Hill, so we got a clean sweep that day, and, I mean, we were just hooked. But yeah. somewhere in the middle of that year, uh, I, I worked for a railroad. I'm an electrician. And some random guy came up to me, and he's like, hey, I, I, I know what you do, and I do sort of the same thing. But we do it for long distances. And uh, I'm like, well, I'm going to Louisville this weekend for a straight-up race at the Off-Road Expo. Mm -hmm. He said, all right, we're taking my truck, and I'll haul your stuff. Well, I had no clue what Ultra 4 was at this point. Yeah. And we get down there, and we're looking at the course, and he's, like, picking lines, and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking the opposite. I said, we're not even going to touch those rocks. We're just going to jump over them. You know, two different mindsets. <laughs> Still yeah. climbing, you only got to do it for 20 seconds, where yeah. Ultra 4, you got to make your stuff last. Right. And uh, we became friends, and he talked me into going to uh, Sturgis, Kentucky, at uh, Ultra 4 racing that green buggy. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure you've ran across that video at some point. But yeah, uh, Bill yeah. Bear had a, had a bounty on the... The finish line banner, and uh, we ended up somehow something to see that thing and taking that banner down, and that kind of got me hooked into Ultra Four. So we went ahead and finished out 2014 as you know the straight up, and then well, I guess that 2015, sorry, yeah, and then 2016 
well, the, the winter of 2015, we decided we were going to build a car and we're going to California. Okay. Because the guy, Brett Snyder, is the guy that got me into Ultra 4. Yeah. He'd been to King of Hammers a handful of times and raced it with uh, not real great luck. It was always something small that took him out. So, I, you know, I built this car and we went, we went to King of Hammers in 2016. So, so let me ask you this. So you finished the Straight Up Series and you have, you know, I actually want to roll it back. Um, that video you're talking about where you take out the banner, that's where you hit the tires and you launch like 20 feet in the air, right? Yeah. Okay. So for those who don't know, I guarantee that you've seen it. Um, basically, he hits this jump that's, that's a set of tires coming out of the ground. And uh, long story short, he sends it and the front end ends up... <laughs> in the ground, uh, probably probably the best way to say it. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, that's uh, on Busted Knuckle. That's on their like intro reel to all their videos, isn't it? Yeah, it was. I I think they've updated okay. maybe last year, but yeah, it was for a long time there. Yeah, yeah, for a long time. It was a, it was a nice video. Of you just nailing the nose and flipping right over. So that's a that's super iconic, and hopefully that gives you guys a a point of reference to where he got his beginnings. Um, I want to I want to ask you first too though, you know obviously to have success in the straight up series because it wasn't you know it wasn't the magnitude of the hills that we're seeing the razors and the full bodies uh, or I'm sorry the side by sides run nowadays but it was still tough. Did you just innately just have it in you to drive like that to drive to win and not have any fear in your mind about how to get up these hills or how to climb them? Were you experienced or was this something totally new for you? Um, I mean, like I said, we, we've got a few little small parts, but even at that, the, the hills that we played on and Jeeps and stuff were, were nothing compared to straight up hills, you know? Yeah. It was just kind of, um, we drive so far, I didn't want to have any regrets. Yeah. So, go out there and hold it, and whatever happens, happens. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, that's good, because a lot of people, they just don't know how to make that jump into the driving style, you know? Um, plenty of times I'll see people get up and, and get the courage to send it up a hill one time and then they'll break something and then it kind of stirs them away from it for a while. So um, I'm always curious how drivers get over that initial, like, fear. You know, the the, the gut, the, the little bit of butterflies in your stomach you get on that first hill. Yeah, I guess, uh, well, we, we, we had four wheelers, you know, sport quads and stuff. And yeah. I was always known in my little local area here for doing dumb stuff. <laughs> oh, four wheelers. <laughs> And four rows would get you hurt. So yeah, yeah, I was, yeah. you know, I built my own cage and stuff. I had a lot of faith in it. But, and I took some pretty nasty tumbles in that first car. Yeah. And I, I never once was concerned with actually, you know, getting hurt. And I think that's a lot of it. That yeah. If you can look past the possibilities, because, I mean, in reality, you're more likely to get hurt driving down the highway than doing what we did. Yeah, you're exactly right. And it's a, it's, it's, when you point that out to somebody who doesn't do this, it sounds crazy. But uh, continuing on with what you were saying, um, you know, the end of the 2015 series, the you, you guys finish out the st uh, straight up series. Um, where do you guys go into 2016? What do you guys what what happens during that off season? So 2016, uh, we talked back and forth, and he just kept you got to go to King Hammers, got to go to King Hammers. Right. Like, I don't know that I can ride anything for eight hours. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, it's a totally different apples to oranges as far as racing and I think uh, actually it was two days before Christmas we, we drove to Abernathy's and picked up a turbo and I 
uh, it was frantic because I had no clue how to build an endurance <laughs> car. Yeah. First off, but luckily with the, I mean, the, the straight up was new and it was wild and everybody liked it as far as videos. Mm-hmm. And we did pick up a few, a few really decent sponsors. And it, I mean, we helped develop a lot of parts through our testing and straight up. I, and it built some really good relationships. So we had quite a bit of help going yeah. into uh, King Hammers and Ultra Four. And we built this car. I think it was done maybe two days before we loaded it up to go to California. Like I said, I had no clue what I was getting into. We'd never right. even seen the desert. Yeah. And uh, we got out there and did a little pre-running, and it blew my mind. It's like, well, you can, you can have this much fun at one race. I mean, <laughs> we got more seat time at King of Hammers the first the first year we did it than what we did probably every other race combined. You know, it's just yeah. crazy. Yeah. So you go to King of Hammers. Um, how did it go for you? Um, let's see. The first year we had, of course, I set the car up for hill climbing because that's yeah. all I knew. So I had it like super, super stiff because that's that's what I tend to run uh-huh. on hill. And uh, we ended up blowing three shocks. I don't know, twenty miles in. Wow. So that slowed our pace. Uh, we we drove all the way back to Main Pit, which is sixty miles in. It's about halfway, mm-hmm. and. Some random guys I didn't know, uh, I tried to get out and help, and they yelled at me to get back in. I'd be done. They'd be done before I could get back in the car. They loaned me a whole set of shots, and then we went to, we've got to finish this race mode. And uh, we ended up finishing with, I don't know, 30 minutes to spare or something the, the first year out there. Are you kidding? On bar, borrowed shots. Are you joking? That's insane, because I can't tell you how many guys I've interviewed on this podcast who their goal is just to finish King of Hammers. And you guys go out there year one, and not only do you finish, but you have just stranger, you know, we'll call it guardian angel help, come show you, and you guys are able to finish. That's crazy. And the funny thing about that is, is after the race is over, one of the pit crew guys came over, and he's like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need them shocks back. He said, <laughs> the guy that owns them doesn't even know about it. I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> oh, gosh. That's, that's awesome. But, uh, that yeah, is so, so, cool. so that that with a finish out there, that pretty well locked us into we got to run the ultra four, you know, for sixteen. So that's that's what we locked. We set our goals for twenty sixteen as, as running ultra four on the side by side. Yeah. And uh, of course, there's only three races on the East Coast, mm-hmm. and combined with King of Hammers, and we ended up uh, the East Coast Championship that year. Wow. Out of dumb luck again, because like I said, I still had really no clue what I was doing. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. That I just that is just mind blowing to me because I it maybe it was just luck. You know, maybe you guys just got the perfect cards and you set the machines up correctly because man, I can't tell you how many people have different experiences. I'll put it that way. That's crazy. Uh, King of Hammers is King of Hammers is uh I don't know how to put it. It's a one off. If you if you, you think you race, you got to go do that race. So let me ask you, you know, you have your, you've spent all this time uh, wheeling in the, primarily the southeast, you go to King of Hammers and you come back and you're sitting at your house after the race and, you know, you're reflecting on the differences. Can you talk about the difference between, you know, because I'm based out of just south of Nashville and so I'm, I'm used to the southeast, but I personally have never been to the desert, never been to the west to actually go ride. I've been out there, but not with a razor. And what are the differences you know, in terms of how to drive and what can the car do in different places? So, I guess uh, this is my take on it. So, e- even like an endurance race over here, say they're five or six miles long, mm-hmm. you can go pr- 
pre-run that, and you can go, all right, there's this rock here that I got to watch out for, mm-hmm. and there's a there's a nasty little off-camper spot here I got to I got to watch out for. You're talking 120 miles. You're trying to remember 120 miles in California that I've got to watch out for this rock and this Joshua tree, and yeah. <laughs> and I mean it's just a different world. And we don't have woods here, you know. And that That's was true. a that was a learning experience for me. You, I figure stuff goes bad, you let out. That's exactly opposite of what you want to do. Really? <laughs> if stuff goes bad in the woods, you want to pin it. Really? Man, that's that. I'm, so I've had no like no one has ever taught me how to drive. I have like the only experience I have is down in the southeast. So to hear that, that seems counterintuitive. I would have thought the same thing that you you know you pull off and you try and let it readjust itself. Yeah, that that. That ends badly. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll take I'll take your word for it. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. So, you know, what else about? I mean, did, does the machine work better in the West Coast or the East Coast? Let me ask that. Uh, I mean, I'm slowly gaining West Coast knowledge. We've been out there, but uh, we've been out there every year since '16. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's just a different setup. I won't say that one works better. Or like say a razor doesn't work better on the east than it does the west. It's just you got to set it up for those conditions. So you're going a lot faster on the west, right? Than, most generally than mm-hmm. what you would on the east. And then on the west, you might go from almost smooth pavement to three foot G out loops that are five foot apart, or they might be twenty feet apart, or they might be thirty feet apart. It's just it's very the, the terrain varies much more out there than it does here. Mm-hmm. Like here we have dirt or we have rock. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Out there, it's, uh, it's ever-changing. And then the rocks out there are literally the size of a side-by-side and a few of them canyons. It's just it's unbelievable. Everybody should just go experience it one time. Well, we'll have to go. I mean, I've been trying to get my crew out there for a couple of years now, so before the before more kids come, we need to go. <laughs> but uh, I'll tell you. So let me ask you this. This is the age-old question, and you know I, I want to keep going with your story, but... Um, which one is harder, West Coast or East Coast? Uh, I will say, I'm going to say East Coast, although West Coast proves to be harder for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, East Coast, there's so much more stuff to learn about as far as how the things that they make lumber out of. Yeah. Uh, they are very unforgiving. Yes, they are. <laughs> But uh, West Coast, I mean, you know, if we lived on the West Coast, I would have to say coming to the East Coast would be just mind-blowing. Yeah. Now, what, what, mud, what do you think, trees. I mean, is it is it the fact, is it just trees that just these things are in the way? Or is it the fact that you don't have the traction that you have? Or is it a combination of everything that you say would make the East Coast a shock? Uh, combination. So, I mean, it actually rained at Hammers this year, and... To us, that was perfect. Like, it, it wasn't even muddy. It's what we would call a normal day here. Yeah. <laughs> it kept the dust down. is basically all it did. Man. But, like, say, LP race, where I met you at, that yeah. was just brutal. I mean, we should have been able to run 60, 70 in some of them spots, and we were down to 40 mile an hour just because if you go any faster, you're going to slide into a tree. Yeah, that's true. And those trees took out a lot of people that weekend, too. But anyways, so, I mean, attrition rate, I, I think it's equal. I mean, everybody always talks about King of Hammers as, well, only 20 people finished. Well, I mean, if you look at any any race, survival, any uh, pro rock, mm-hmm. any of them, and you actually look at the numbers of the people that actually finished, like, 
say the hill or yeah. all five laps if it was a five lap leg. <clears throat> the attrition rate's pretty much equal across the country. Right. It's just King of Hammers is, you know, there's a hundred people and only set up and finish. Well, that's not really any different than any other. Yeah, that's true. I hadn't thought about it like that. I hadn't thought about it. Um, so, anyways, thanks for humoring me on all those because those are questions that I get asked all the time uh, to ask people. Um, but uh, continuing on, you come back from Hammers in 2016, correct? Is that is that the first year you yep. guys went? So you come back from Hammers in 2016. Um, did you say you had two cars at the time, one built for West Coast and one built for East Coast? Uh, not really. I had I had the turbo car that we built for the West Coast, which is what we ended up running, but just for Ultra 4 with. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it's a little gray area here. Uh, I think at that time I I had sold the green chassis, mm-hmm. and I built a gray chassis that more resembles an Ultra 4 car. Okay. Uh, we, yeah, we sold off the 900 in the green chassis, and we had the gray chassis, which was still a 1,000. Mm-hmm. I kept all the drivetrain out of the green chassis. And we just moved it over to the new one, and um, I had that and the turbo car. And we ran, we ran a few pro rock races. Uh, we did a knockout race, which was absolutely insane. So knockout, uh, for for those who don't know, knockout is the side by side hill climb, correct? Like you're you're physically there's two people on one hill, and the first one to the top wins, correct? Well, yeah, but um, the knockout race we did, we started four wide. Oh four yeah. Side by side, oh man. It was. It was yeah, I forgot that they did a four wide series for a while. Yeah, those those were awesome. Um, now, are they bringing those back? I haven't. I've heard speculation, but I haven't seen any confirmation that they're going to bring knockout racing back. There'll definitely be at least one, if not two, this year from Pro Rock. Ooh, where are they going to be? Do you know yet? Uh, I don't know yet. Okay. I, know, I know they're on the list. I know there's, they're guaranteed going to be one, possibly two. Man, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna have to probably make a trip down there to see that because that is some good that's good stuff right there. That's good stuff. That's a good way to shut up some competition too, right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's for sure. So then, you uh, uh, you come back and you, team, I'm good. Do, no, what were you saying? Oh, I was just gonna finish out the sixteen while we were on it. Yeah, yep, yeah, that's where uh, I was headed. Go for it. So we were running both cars, kind of you know playing with some burnout races and. And doing Ultra Four, we we ended up the Ultra Four Championship that year, and then uh, seventeen was a totally different year for us. Uh, that gray buggy I was telling you about, mm-hmm. I ended up trading it for uh, a pretty well known rock bouncer called the Rooster. Yep, yep. And uh, we played around in, in seventeen a little bit with it, kind of got her, just kind of get your feet wet in a full size, mm-hmm. and. Uh, we built Rampage, which is a single-seat turbo for my boy. Everybody called it the RF Zero. So I was, so I want to, I want to pause on that one whenever you get a chance or whenever you you want to talk about it because um, that by far before the RS One came out, I kid you guys, I kid you not. When y'all put that up for sale, I was like five grand short, and I was gonna buy it. I was gonna drive up and give you cash and just take it home because that is the coolest. Thing I had ever seen built. I mean, that's my to, to this day. That is one of my favorite custom buggies ever built. Well, my son will appreciate that because I was just a muscle on that project. Uh, I just bent the tubes, and uh, I've, I've got a bigger scrap pile from that buggy than I do from anything else I've ever built because I've done something and be like, that's not how I want it. <laughs> so 
that one got thrown away and we started over. Yeah, yeah. Well, but, man, I, I, it's funny. I remember, I think I found it on Instagram, like through the Explore page or, or something. So I think Mad Ram may have done a video on it. I can't remember. Um, but I found it, and at the time, I had a 2016 orange two-seat turbo, and I was just like, what do I need to do to make this a reality? Because that was just the most badass machine. And um, it's so funny that the RS1 eventually came out because, you know, y'all, I mean, straight up, you guys just killed it. But anyways, huge, huge fan of that one. Um, you guys you. you guys raced that RS0 uh, for a while, didn't you? Uh, really? I only raced it. I raced it at uh, Race to Riches. Yep. And uh, the boy raced it at Mines Made. That was his first race he ever did. Mm -hmm. uh, he got third at Mines Made in an unlimited class with it down there. And I mean, that was that just blew my mind. Yeah, he could just go out and compete. Yeah, but it wasn't really his thing. Uh, I mean, he he spends more time in the garage with me than I can count. But he would rather do that than drive. So that's a that's a yeah, rare that's a rare one right there. Go ahead. Do what? I said that's rare right there. Yeah, uh, I mean, he's got a 68 Chevy pickup that I mean, he's getting ready to start on, and yeah. he's getting ready to get his license here in a few months, and he's kind of concentrating on, on that and girls more than driving a race car. Yeah, when I was 16, I'd be doing the same thing, probably. <laughs> oh, man, that's exciting, though, but um, w let me ask you, what did you think about that, you know, did you think that Polaris was ever going to come out with a one-seater like they did? Um, and, and how did it drive? How did it perform for you? Well, I've got one now. Uh, to me, it's best bang for the buck. So, talking, about, talking about the RS1? I, I said I, I actually have an RS1 now. Yeah. And uh, to me, it's the best bang for the buck from from a consumer standpoint. Yeah. You go out and you buy it, it's got a turbo training, it's got the RS1 diff, and it's got 1,000 power. And it's essentially the same wheelbase as, an, as the old 900. Mm -hmm. And all your weight centered. I mean, it's the funnest car. I mean, we've, it's not by far. It's nowhere near the fastest, but it's the funnest car to drive. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's good news. I really want one. Um, and, and the only reason, I'll tell you, the main reason I want one is because when I saw that, uh, that one-seater build that y'all built, I was just dead set. I was going to find a way to get a one-seater. <laughs> it was awesome. And, and, Price point on them is pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. They're I mean, all overpriced, in my opinion, but it's, it's by far the cheapest. Yeah. Well, I mean, best part about it is, you know, I always recommend people go in the used market and save some money on aftermarket parts and buy it from somebody that looks like they're taking care of it. But, um, yeah, man, uh, you can find an RS1 that's pretty much fully built for like 15 grand, and you don't have to do anything, you know? You can just pretty much go ride it and fix it. Yeah, and they put a lot of thought into it as far as making it a race rig. I mean, it's. it's it's fairly light. It's got all the drivetrain. Uh, the radiator's already in the back. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that did that makes it a, a pretty affordable race car right out of the box. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I didn't I didn't want to interrupt you any more than that. But um, so you guys built the RS zero, and and then and then what what happened for you guys? Because you guys um, is this you said this was when you had the rampage buggy. Yeah, the Rampage, which is actually the RS Zero, but we had the we had the Rooster Rock Mounter. Yeah, uh, we traded one of the side by sides for, and that was, you know, we ran I don't know three or four races. Like seventeen was kind of an odd year. We didn't really pick a series. We just kind of hit what we could. Yeah, and uh, we ran a few a few races with the Rooster, and uh, the wife actually drove it. 
a handful of times too. She raced it, and that kind of got her hooked. So we decided for for eighteen that we're going full size rock rouser. Yeah. So I, whatever I had to do to make that happen. Man. So we ended up selling Rampage. We ended up selling selling the rooster off, and we ended up buying Showstopper 2.0 like towards the end of 2017. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually picked it up at SRS Finals uh, from the, the previous owner, Spiegel. I picked it up there, and I raced it there. Never set in it. Well, yeah. the fuel pump went out. We didn't know it, but we still climbed all four hills at the finals, and then... We made some improvements on it over the winter and decided we were going to run out well. Well, I skipped a, another thing there. In 2018, we uh, ran a four sheet at Hammers. Oh, we're going to we're going we can come back and talk about that, or we can talk about it now. But you better believe we're going to we're going to talk about that at some point because y'all were uh, you guys set a set a new record there. <laughs> yeah, uh, Matt Wilson, uh, Sugar Mama Racing. Uh, he called me up and with this wild idea. And we went through the rule book, and there was no rules against having four people, so that's what we set out to do. Yeah, and just and, so, uh, if anybody missed it in that exchange that uh, we just had, um, Anthony had a four-seat, was it a Turbo S? Uh, no, it was a, a tur- just a regular Turbo. It was Matt Wilson. Turbo. Okay, so turbo. it was a regular four-seat Turbo, and he raced all four passengers in there. Um, first time it had ever been done, correct? Yeah. It's still the only time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you, I was following along with you on the social media, and I saw it, and I was like, you know, if I, I have I have a couple buddies, and if I don't end up getting an RS1, I'm going to get a four-seater, but um, I would love to go do one of the hardest races on the wor- in the world and have all my buddies do it with me, you know? Yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean, we... We we only had a goal to finish, which which didn't happen. Yeah. But uh, we weren't going for no top ten or anything crazy like that. But we had a big old trailer tie down ratchet strap holding spares on the roof. We had a cooler in the back, filled <laughs> with water and ice and sandwiches. And, yeah. I mean, it was a full blown super badass stereo. Yeah. It. Uh, we we had a great time. Uh, we had a couple belt failures and the shifter cable, which is what really messed our day up. Uh, shifter cable broke in half on us, but uh, Hebert, you know, you had him on there. Yeah, uh, he, he's good. He's good friends with Matt Wilson, and we were kind of playing back and forth through the desert, and then we got the back door out there, and of course they made us go back down back door right. that year, and uh, Hebert took the line that everybody takes, you know, right there in the bowl. And I shot left, and Matt looked at me, and he goes, "What are we doing?" I said, "We're passing you." He goes, "What?" I said, "We're passing you." So we shot off that left side of back door going down and past Hubert with uh, ACDC blur and the crowd was going nuts. It was pretty cool. That's awesome. That's that's a memory I'm sure that you'll never forget. It, it's right up there on the list for sure. That's really neat. So you guys ended up not finishing the four-seat race or the King of Hammers in the four-seater. Um, but let me ask you this. I'm going to pause again. Uh, what are your thoughts on the four-seater uh, just in general, like, do you like them? Do you think that they're, you know, are they okay? What are, you, what are your thoughts on them? That was uh, really my only experience I've ever had in a four-seater. And if I lived out west, that's what I don't know, no question. I mean, the wheelbase, uh, if you look at all the desert racing cars, they're basically four-seaters mm-hmm. with a fuel tank sitting in the back. I mean, yep. the wheelbase just makes all the difference in the world. 
and really rock crawling, it, it did really good rock crawling even. I, I figured the wheelbase might hurt it there, but, I mean, it wasn't like a noticeable, this thing sucks in the rocks because it's so long, you know. Did you feel like you could so, maneuver it well, like out in the open? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, the thing uh, that, Where, like, a shorter car would come around on you. Yeah. Like, through a corner, it doesn't seem to do it near as bad. That's my main thing, I, I, you know, when I'm thinking about it. I'm like, okay, if I want to go fast, you know, I feel like you kind of lose the, the fishtail coming around on you. But maybe that's better because you'll stay, you know, you'll track a little bit straighter. Um, and I was wondering if that back end does slide around the same, uh, or, you know, how it feels. Does it does it just feel, does it feel right, Does if that makes any sense? Uh, I, I would go with, yeah. Uh, the only, I would say the only reason that you don't see people racing them over on the, the right side of the country here, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the East Coast, is just because of the trees. So a lot, right. a lot of our races have real super tight corners to where you have to be able to turn sharp. Right. But, I mean, straightaways, whoops, long sweeping corners, of course you will outrun a short car, in my opinion. Wow. I like it. I like it. Makes me, so, so, uh, yeah. I'm going to end up with one of those two, of the RS1 or the four-seater. So that's that's good to hear. I'm excited about that. So um, moving on, after after the four-seat King of Hammers experience, um, what came next for you? Because uh, 2018 seemed to be a pretty good year for you. Yeah, 2018, uh, like I said, we picked up Showstopper there uh, towards the end of 2017. We made a few changes. And... Uh, we decided we were going to run an outlaw series because a lot of the races were a lot closer to us than some of the other series. Mm-hmm. So as a whole, it made more sense. And uh, we went down to Flight Nasty again, which is uh, somehow my favorite part. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> again, not really a clue what we're getting into because it's kind of a mix. It's not really a, a pure hill climb and it's not really a woods race. It's kind of half and half. It's kind of kind of a series built for the racers by the racers is what they like to use their motto and, and it shows I mean real good people but we went down there and up to, up to that point Derek West had won every single outlaw race yeah. in his ultra four car and I mean we barely edged him out I think combined times of the two hills it was like point two seconds or something it was it was so close it was crazy man that is but close we, we edged him out and that I was like, all right, this is what we're going to do. <laughs> so we walked in on that. Dude. And then uh, the, the wife decided that I wasn't going to get ahead of all the fun, and she was going to race. So that locked us into, we're going to pro rock races too. Yeah. So she ended up racing every pro rock race, and uh, she, she came away with the women's championship. Um, let's see, Outlaw was kind of up, it had its ups and downs. Mm-hmm all season, but we stayed top three in points all year, and then uh, the very last race was at Hawk Pride, and they left it up to the drivers for, because they, they started a side-by-side race to where they were doing two rock rounders at a time, and then you switch hill, right. which is a new format, and, and it was awesome, and then the top ten came back for round two and raced each other again, so you get a lot more race and a lot more seat time that way, Yeah, and it just made more sense. And uh, the finals race, they decided instead of running the same two hills again, we were going to go up to a bounty hill that had never been climbed. And the drivers voted on it before the race started that if we make top ten, this is what we want to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we ended up climbing that one. 
just, again, dumb luck, got to the bottom and just pinned it to win it kind of deal, and it, it shot up there and made it. And then West King made it after me, but we're only two to climb that hill so far, and I think they've had two or three events on it since, and nobody's been able to make it. Man. But it's a pretty nasty little rock wall. Yeah, I, yeah, I, 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 Hawk Pride does not play around. That is one of those parks that just gets rough quick. Yeah, and I mean that was kind of the reason that we we picked some of these series is to go follow. Is we don't have that kind of stuff up here. Up here is black dirt. You know, yeah. we got black dirt, we got trees, and we got fields. And gravel <laughs> <work>. So <laughs> those rocks are are pretty cool to play on. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So you end up closing out the 2018 season. Uh, so you raced, you guys raced Pro Rock and Outlaw for 2018, correct? Yeah. Okay. How did you close out in the Outlaw series? Well, we were second overall. Uh, Derek won the championship again. Yeah, he's he's a wheel man for sure, and mm-hmm. he's got a lot of time in that car. Yeah, he does. Uh, he's hard to beat. I mean. And then, uh, let's see, Pro Rock, I don't even know, fourth or fifth overall, something like that. Yeah, that's... And then I the, mean, wife, the wife won the championship in the women's class there, so... Right, and that's and then, that's, an, that's an awesome right. finish, and, and hats off to your wife as well, because, you know, there's it's not just a couple people out there racing, there's uh, multiple racers in that in that, uh, in that that women's league as well. Yep. So. And then, um, I don't know where I'm going. Oh! So, 2018, Hawk Pride, uh, we went down there for Ricky Berry. Uh, I had sold Showstopper because when you do one, you pretty much want to do them all. Yeah. So, I had my mindset that I was somehow, someway, going to race 4,400 Ultra 4 no matter what it took. Yeah, now we're getting to the thing I want to talk about the most. <laughs> <laughs> so, we, we sold Showstopper. To another Missouri boy, but he's 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 further south. He's closer to the action. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's been having a good time with it. And uh, I went to the Ricky Berry, and I met up with Peter Badler, who blew torch Pab, and I picked up his old single seat car. And uh, so far, she hasn't been real good to me, but we're we're getting the problems worked out. I hope. So I want to I want to talk about it because this car is it's pretty unique. I mean, in design, in function, and in, in everything, it's 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 different. Um, I'm looking at a picture of it right now, and just so people have an idea, you, you know, you've named it Wishful Thinking, right? Yep. And it's a rear rear motor. Um, it's solid axle front and rear, correct? I'm trying to get a good look at the front here. Yeah, it's solid axle front and rear. Yeah, so and, you got. Uh, go ahead. The wishful thinking is kind of a two part name because I'm way out of my league for one, <laughs> as far as budget. Yeah. And it, it, it's a freak car. It's got wishbones on the front and rear as an upper link. Oh, really? Being a true four link, it's a true three link front and rear. Wow. That's cool. That's really unique. And I'll tell you, just looking at it too, um, you got rear mounted motor, obviously, uh, solid axles. Uh, you got a really cool looking, very, I mean, it's just an ultra four inspired rig for sure uh you're running trailing arms with bypasses on all four corners um and uh is you said is it you said it's got the wishbone up front too yeah it's a wishbone front which is a, a center mounted on the axle and then center mounted on the rear axle wishbone on the rear wow that's just that's just so such a unique system so i want to i want to start from when you got it uh at rbd how did it come to you right out of the box? Did it did it do okay for you? 
Oh yeah, I mean it's a it's a pretty legit race car. It's a it's a little I don't want to say outdated, but it's older technology from you know a few years back compared to the IFS IRS portal cars they're coming out with now. I mean right. the the sport's just going nuts. Yeah, yeah, it definitely but is. Definitely different than a rock bouncer. I mean, the motor's in the back, so it's not really built to hill climb. It will hill climb, but nowhere near as good as Showstopper, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I don't know, just a totally different car. Yeah. But we're getting some bugs worked out of it. So, so I, I think next weekend ought to be a, ought to be a good showing for it. Yeah, so I want to talk about, too, like, the, the process that you've gone through, because with this car, I, I've seen you climb a couple hills, and, and you're exactly right in the sense of, like, it just looks like it handles differently. Um, it looks like you get a little bit more lift out of the front end. The front end wants to pick up when you're climbing, and obviously that's due to the um, the weight in the back. Um, but overall ride quality, you know, how does it drive different? How does it feel different? Um, is it what you expected? Uh, yeah, I mean, so it's it's kind of a like with the wishbones. It's kind of a freaking nature. It has a, a very awesome roll center. Uh-huh. But once you pass it, there's there's a point of no return. Yeah. I mean, so for instance, qualifying down there at the Pro Rock race, came around that corner and it kicked the tire. Well, showstopper. I mean, you just give it more gas and you're good. Yeah. This one gave it more gas and it, it did a flip. <laughs> <laughs> it did a flip. Wow, man, that's so, crazy. I mean, I've got a little bit of seat time in it, not yeah. near enough. But we've had some some major catastrophic failure downtime. Yeah. Uh, actually, blew the motor up down there at the, the first pro rock race, which was just supposed to be like a practice race for the Ultra Corner Series. What did you end up, well, I mean, what happened to the motor? Were you just running it too hard, or did it just by chance happen to have an issue? It had an external oil cooler on it, and somehow it rubbed a pinhole in it. Mm. So it held oil pressure until it was completely out of oil, and then it was at the point of no return. She was yeah. toast. I mean, the only thing we saved out of it was the blocking head. Everything else was trash. Ooh, man, that's not good. <laughs> Yeah, that's not good. Oh, man. Um, so you guys get the motor fixed up. You get everything returned back to where it needs to be. Um, you know, what else has been an issue for you? Or let me ask you this. So you put the motor back together. Um, was the Ultra 4 race at AOP the next race for you? Yeah, that is correct. Okay. So you show up. Um, actually, Like I said, that's where I met you. Um, you raced your Turbo S there. Uh, you're, it looks, I, I walked up on you after the UTV race, you know, kind of just wanting to chit chat and that turbo S looked like it had been through hell and back. And, <laughs> and, uh, it, uh, you know, how did the turbo S hold up for you during that race? So the, the turbo S is, uh, Richard belongs to Nate Blackwell for okay. NCD diesel. Uh, it was just kind of a plan. It was, it was, it started out as a joke. Like when the RS1 came out. Mm-hmm. I just know Nate through racing. I mean, it's not like we go back a long way. So when RS1 came out, Nate bought one, and I just jokingly messaged him. I'm like, hey, you bought me a new King of Hammers car. He's like, what do you mean? I said, it's a single seat. It'll work out perfect because not many people like to ride with me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I, like a couple of weeks later, he goes, you serious about going to Hammers? I said, no, well, I've kind of gotten to you. It's in my boat. I've got to go there every year. Mm-hmm. And we come up to this wild plan. We're going to build a King of Hammers car together. So... We spent, we, we bought the Turbo S, and uh, we spent, I don't know, five, six months getting new parts made for it, because nothing was made for that car at the time. Right. We went and ran hammers, and we had uh, quite a few belt issues out there, but uh, we ended up finishing 
17th, I want to say. I think 21 finished this year. Man, that's crazy that you have such a good record of finishing King of Hammers. That's nuts, man. That's nuts. So, that locked us in for running uh, the East Coast Ultra 4, and actually, we're going to run the National Key running. Oh. And possibly go to Ridgecrest, California with it. I ain't, we ain't decided on that one yet. Depends on how next weekend and the next East Coast goes. Yeah. So, anyways, we can we can talk about the Turbo S in, in a minute. I didn't mean to derail us there. Um, you go to AOP and you, you you get in there and you get a chance to pre-run. Um, during pre-running, did you notice anything with the car or was it running how you wanted it to? Uh, so I blew the motor up at Pro Rock and right. I, I called uh, Show Me Speed, which is a company we used to tune both rock bounces we'd had. And I said, hey, man, I'm, I'm in a pinch. I said, I was just going to a, a, basically a practice race for us to just get some seat time. And I blew this motor up. I said, but uh, the Ultra 4 race is in like four weeks and my motor's trashed. So he went here and rebuilt the motor top to bottom. Uh, Went and picked the motor. Of course, they're, they're three and a half hours from me. So I dropped the motor off, rebuilt it, picked the motor up, put it in the car, took it back down there. They tuned it, brought it back home and with like a day to spare for the Ultra 4 race. But Man. they knocked it out of the park. I mean, this thing runs strong, very strong. Man. But uh, initially when I bought the car, like I told you, it was an older build. Uh-huh. So it had uh, 35 spine axles in the room, and that was a concern. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I did was order 40 spawn unit bearings because I was going to convert it to 40. Uh-huh. But again, I'm a, I'm a racer on a budget here, so when we blew the motor up, that went the we went the budget to upgrade the rear end, right? Which is leading into what you're trying to ask me here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so we were still running the old 35 spawn, the old style unit bearings that pretty much nobody runs anymore because they had issues. Uh-huh. And uh, give it qualified. I don't know, middle of the pack. I hit a tree. And uh, we got out there. We were running pretty hard. Uh, we moved up somewhere around sixth or seventh position on lap two or three. And the unit bearing was flew apart. And wheel, tire, axle, brake rotor, everything decided to pass me. Whew, man. We pretty well ended our day there. <laughs> man, I'd say so. Gosh, dude. Man, that's bad luck. That is bad luck. What did you, what did you think, you know, when you're racing that car... Not in a like a hill, be- you know. So you, let me phrase it like this: You had a couple hills under your belt in that car, and then you go out and you do the Ultra Four race. Um, how did the car? You know, you mentioned the car. Did, it, you you said it's not a hill. It's not a hill. It's not a hill killer, right? Um, yeah. You know, you get it in the woods and you get it in an Ultra Four race. Kind of something it seems like it's more designed to do. Did it handle better? Did it was it better more closely to what you expected it to be like? Uh, the easiest way I can say this, the two or three laps, whatever I've got, uh, is the funnest, uh, most fun I've ever had racing. Really? Yeah, so, like, luckily, we got to run the same exact course. So we did it in the Turbo S, which is, you know, the top dog to the side-by-sides right now. Mm-hmm. And there was places we were slowing down to 20 and 30, going over stuff or around stuff. This car, honestly, with very little seat time, I was doing it at a 40 to 50, and 55. I mean, it was just impressive what it could do compared to the smaller car. That's crazy that you were going that fast. Because, I mean, those sections, it was muddy, it was sloppy, and those sections are rough in terms of, like, pretty big amount of rocks. And also, it's not, I mean, you got to have a machine that's extremely maneuverable to get through those wood sections. Yeah, but, I mean, the, the side-by-sides, 
But I guess I mean the Turbo S is reaching. It's it's what sixty two inches or sixty inches? I forget what it, or seventy two. Seventy two. That's right, man. Where where the where the the wishful thinking is? It's eighty. No, I mean it's not a big jump. Yeah, that's true. I didn't realize it was that narrow. It's pretty amazing. Um, so you you end up having this race. Uh, you know the unit bearings fail on you. Uh, and that leads us to now where we are. Uh, have you had a race on it since that a that AOP race? Negative. Uh, I just got it back together last night and uh, ripped it up and down the driveway. Okay. Uh, luckily, Brandy, uh, it's kind of a freak, you know, being rear engine. So the pumpkin is as far to the passenger side as you can get it in the back. Uh -huh. And... It's an extremely long axle. It's uh, over 48 inches, and most of your axle companies only make 48-inch long axles. Mm -hmm. Well, Brandon can he's not to make anything. So he uh, he made, he whipped us up some 40 spines here, and uh, we got it all put together last night. And I think we're ready. So that was the one major problem that I was worried about when I bought the car. And then the motor blew up, and that set us back fixing that problem. Well, we got that fixed now, so... So hopefully we can go to Oklahoma next weekend, and fingers crossed, I don't find any more gremlins. Yeah, yeah. Now, are you planning on getting any more seat time like this weekend? Do you plan on taking it out somewhere and trying to just make sure everything's got the bugs worked out? Uh, I got a, I got a little test track here I'll play around on as long as it'll quit raining. Uh, yeah. up, up here in northern Missouri, we're, we're under catastrophic flooding and rains for the past two to three weeks. So. Man. Man, that that sucks. But I guess at least you're you know you're not you're not. It gives you a reason to work on the car, I guess. You know. Yeah, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> so so, what are your thoughts on on wishful thinking? You know, as it sits right now, how do you feel about it? Do you do you? I mean, you mentioned you had a lot of fun in it, but do you, do you still feel good about the car? Are you hopeful for the car? Are you still, I mean, wishful for the car? Oh yeah, I mean. I Getting into this, I knew it wasn't going to be quite the uh, stellar season that I had in the Rock Rouchers because it's kind of more of my background at this point. Right. So, I mean, I wasn't expecting anything huge out of it. It's just, it's kind of a, a bucket list deal that I, I, ever since I've seen a 4400 car, I, I just got to drive one of them. It just seems so crazy and off the wall that the cars can do what they do mm -hmm. for as long as they do it. Yeah. So, I mean, I got, I got some faith in her now. I, I got some issues figured out that, and some other issues, drive-on issues that we were having. And uh, I'm flat broke now, but we got a race car that runs and rolls and drives. So. <laughs> Man, I, uh, these things will drive you broke over and over and over again. So I understand. But uh, that's good that you feel good in the car. And that's I'm, I'm like, I'm hopeful for you because I want to see this thing do good. And uh, I want to see... In my, I mean, truthfully, I'd like to see more people build cars like what you have now, um, because I want the East Coast drivers to go over to the West Coast, and you know, everybody will tell you a bouncer is great at what it does, but Ultra Four can do everything. An Ultra Four car, 4400 car, can come over here and climb hills. I mean, Derek West and and you know, 
Derek West for the longest time has been the testament that you can go do everything in that car, but it's not the same for, you know, Tim Cameron's bouncer is not going to go run King of Hammers, you know? So I'm hopeful. Yeah, I'm I'm hopeful that we run into a case where guys out here in the East Coast, you know, build a hybrid closer to what you've got going on here. And uh, you know, I'm I'm still hopeful that you come out and uh, you know come out to some of the hills and you come show people how it's done. And you know, hopefully, I I, I like your car a lot. And I, you know, it's kind of those things like come teach somebody some lessons. You know, you still got it in this car. I, I'm confident. Oh, we'll see. Uh, I've got a set of cut loggers out back that'll bolt up on that. <laughs> Put it on dig, man. Oh gosh. Um, but you know, in terms of the rest of the year, you're looking at Oklahoma. Um, where else are you looking at right now? Um, so, so the the 4400 car. Uh, I'm just doing East Coast, so it'll be Oklahoma and then Dirty Turtle, mm-hmm. and then most likely we'll definitely be at Race to Riches with it. Okay. And. There's a couple outlaws that are fairly close. We might try to hit one or two of them up. Um, but with tying to the Nationals and the NCD car, I mean, that, that's eating up a lot of vacation because one of them is in Reno. You know, so, so we'll, we'll take the Turbo S, the NCD Turbo S, we'll take it to Oklahoma next weekend and also to Dirty Turtle. But then we got a race in Reno in October, mm-hmm. uh, which is also four finals. And then, like I said, depending on how the next two Ultra 4 races go, we might go out to uh, run that Ridgeline race out there in California. Yeah, man, that sounds awesome. But uh, I've been putting a lot of time in on that car here in the last couple of weeks. I don't know if you caught that video, but we got her. Uh, I finally got the belt issue figured out on it now that we got some seat time in it. Yeah. And uh, she'll crank her up to about 105 now on the on the asphalt. So. so I saw that video, your Turbo S going over well over 100 miles an hour, and I couldn't believe it. I mean, does it feel like you're going to fly off the ground when you're going that fast in this thing? I won't say fly off the ground, but it's it's definitely not like driving a sports car at 105. <laughs> I'll tell you this. When I saw you do that, first thing I said is, this dude's nuts. I would never get my Razor anywhere close. I mean, if it could go 200 miles an hour, I wouldn't get it close to over 100 miles an hour. I don't trust I, I trust these machines, but I don't, I don't trust these machines that much. <laughs> No, that goes back to having faith in your cage deal. Yeah, that's true. That's very true as well. But that's where did you find the space to get out there and run it that fast? Uh, it was on a, we'll say, shut down blacktop road. There you go. There you go. <laughs> All right, I was wondering if you were actually doing this on dirt or if you were just running it straight on asphalt because, man, that's just uh, that's that's crazy fast. Crazy fast. Um are you going to be taking the Turbo S anywhere that you're not going to take the full size? Uh, just Reno. Uh, we're, well, I might end up going to Reno. See, everybody's trying to talk me into running the, the 4400 car out there, but we didn't compete. We didn't compete at King of Hammers in the 4400, mm-hmm. and uh, we're already at this point. We're already qualified for King of Hammers next year in the 4400. So there's really not a lot of points. Other than just having fun at that race in the 4400, but it's a long way to haul two cars. Yeah, it sure is. I mean, it's, man, I think it's a straight through drive says 28 hours. That is a long ways. I'll just leave it there. <laughs> That's a long way to go just to have fun. 
And I understand, I mean, I understand the hesitation because you're already there. You know, you like you mentioned, you're already qualified for King of Hammers. So if it was me, I'd probably not go to Reno, but that's that's just me speaking. Well, it's pretty late in the year, October, you know, so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and since we're not going for the national points, and since we didn't run Hammers, then that's just a, taking a chance of really destroying something at Reno that I've got to try to fix before February. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. Um, one thing I do want to say though is you're running the Pro Rock Endurance Series in your RS1 right now. How's that been going for you? Uh, well, the first race <laughs> was just a horrible race for me. We blew the motor up in a big car, ended up clipping one of them things that lumber's made out of <laughs> the RS1, and it, it tweaked the frame to where the steering was stuck at full left. So I was down there in the woods, basically doing circles. Man, and uh, we had to call, we had to call that race too. So, yeah, I believe it. That's crazy. And then the second one uh, was at Wildcat. Uh, we qualified fifth against a pretty stacked field of cars, mm-hmm. and we finished fifth or sixth. I'm not sure on them standings at the moment. But, hmm. So that's, that's but there's a one-drop race. So I mean, I guess technically we're sitting in fifth in the points. And yeah, but still. At the moment. That's that's pretty exciting, though. I mean, what are your thoughts on how the Pro Rock is running their race series? Is it good? Is this something you want to be a part of for the long haul? Yeah, Jerry and Trip, I mean, it, the endurance is new to them, but they, they did a few last year, and it's night and day difference this year. I mean, it's a growing sport. Uh, we had 40-some side-by-sides at the last race. I mean, that's that's pretty wild, Yeah, especially and, on a five-mile course. Yeah, I, uh, I, I agree for sure. Now, they're, they're definitely, you know, learning, yeah. learning as we go as far as what works and what doesn't. I mean, the transponders and GPS and stuff doesn't work near as good over here in the trees as they do out west. So yeah. that's part of the system we got. They got to get figured out, and they're making advances and making it work better. So. Do you think that they're going to add more endurance races next year? I would say probably so. Um, it's just it's a more entry level can get into it because they actually have they have two classes so they have a program class which I mean really you could buy uh, a, a used RS1 throw some bumpers and a winch on it and a radio in it and, and some safety stuff as far as harnesses you race ready and yeah. so they have a program class and then they have the pro class so I mean it gives a lot more people a chance to get into racing without going full beat before they decide it's something they might not like, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I consider myself to be, uh, you know, I've talked to David Uptane, who who does timekeeping for that, and he uh, he mentioned to me that he kind of listed out the requirements for safety-wise, but uh, it sounds like something that I'd like to get into uh, in the next year or two, because, um, you know, my only thing is, I really like the Dirty Turtle track. I got a chance to see that one. Um, that one looks good. I wasn't crazy about the Wildcat track from what I could see of it. Um, I'm just I'm hopeful that if I give it another year or two, it'll kind of get a better footing, and uh, the races will be you know a little bit more organized in terms of like how how they're going to let racers go, uh, and and you know I'm hopeful that they'll find I guess more space to to run the courses on. You know, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, that that's, that goes back to uh, the East versus West. I mean, you know, the West Coast races are, I mean, we're talking 70 miles to 200 miles long. Where, yeah. 
even ultra four over here, we're doing five or six mile loops. I mean, it's just, it's a different animal to try to tackle keeping track of people down off in the woods versus the wide open desert area. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. And, and that's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that maybe parks will step up like AOP has done and they kind of reevaluated how their track was set up and how they're, you know, they kind of built part of their park to cater this kind of race style. And I hope that other parks that have the space to do it um, will kind of step up and realize that there's a huge market for that and they'll, you know, start building these tracks uh, a little bit more everywhere. Well, yeah, uh, I would say this is, especially with uh, GNCC dropping their side-by-side -side class, I would say the Ultra 4 East and Pro Rock Survival is, going to do nothing but grow over the next couple of years yeah i'm hopeful and i'm hopeful we like i said we get the space to do it uh, a bunch of different more track or a bunch of more a bunch more tracks and uh a bunch more events too would be awesome be awesome for sure but um where can you know you mentioned uh the east coast series for ultra four uh you mentioned probably a little bit of outlaw probably a little bit of pro rock um anywhere else that people can find you you're going to be at any events or anything like that I don't, we went to SEMA last year. I don't know if we're going to do that again. Uh, that's that's all vacation dependent again. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I'm just a normal guy. we got a normal job. Uh, right now I've got, I think, three days that aren't planned for races. Nice. And uh, if we end up going to California, there goes in three days. Right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but, yeah, I think uh, the East Coast Ultra 4, and, like, I'm, I'm signed up for every Pro Rock Survival race at the moment. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how all that plays out. And uh, definitely Reno, and we're definitely going back to Hammers this year. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully I got some rock mountain buddies out there again. Uh, Jason, let me borrow his uh, rock mountain this year out there, and man, that was a blast. It was, it was fun. It was fun being in front of that many people in a rock mountain. Yeah, you talking about the shootout? It's well known as Riot. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And that's you're you're referencing the shootout, correct? That's correct. Okay. Yeah, because I was I actually watched that live and and it was crazy, man. Uh, crazy to see the the East Coast guys out there kind of showing them, you know, that their cars are purpose built, you know. Yeah. Old Willie Stone ended up getting first, and yeah. I, I got second out there. Yep. Yep. It was, yep. A, it was we lost a blower belt, man. I had nothing but problems with belts out there in California this year. Well, hopefully next year will be better for you. Hopefully next year will be but, better. Uh, that, I don't know if you or your, your listeners are aware, but they also do that same shootout, but at, at Dirty Turtle, and that's the, that'll be coming up in July. Yeah, East versus West shootout at the Ultra Four Race. Yeah, uh, that's actually something I I haven't thought about talking about, but yeah, the uh, the West Coast guys come over here and they put it down, and Dirty Turtle's a good place for it because they've got some some hills right out of the parking lot, and they're nasty straight out of the gate. So. Yeah, that's my that's my arch arch enemy there. Uh, <laughs> we we don't we've never done well at Dirty Turtle. It's always it's always bit me somehow. I've I've heard that from a bunch of people, so don't feel bad. It seems like Dirty Turtle is just a rough one on parts for sure. But that's pretty much all I had uh, on tap. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Um, I mean, if y'all want to follow me on social media, it's uh, No Respect Racing on Facebook. And No Respect Racing on Instagram. Uh, we'll always put up pictures and little video clips. And uh, I've actually been a little bit this year being more of a, a video man. We went to a couple of local races, rock bass and stuff, and 
taking more videos instead of just actually racing and actually get a little enjoyment out of it. It's kind of fun. Yeah, I, I saw that you were doing a live feed on Facebook uh, not too long ago, a couple weeks ago. Um, I actually keyed in and watched that one too, and uh, it was it was cool to see. Uh, it's cool to see a different perspective other than just what you see on YouTube. Yeah, so I mean, and luckily I helped, You know, I, I got to help do uh, do recovery, which is kind of hard to multitask recovery and video, but it's yeah. it, right on the hillside, right live as it happens. It's pretty cool. It was a different experience for me for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, any, anybody you, uh, like, like he said, I want to reiterate too, just so everybody can make sure they heard it. Um, no respect racing on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, they're super active on Facebook. Um, I follow them on there. They've, they've got polls running, which are always fun to see how it turns out. And, uh, they're always putting good content up. Uh, it's really, really a good time. So, uh, make sure you guys check them out there. Uh, is there anybody you want to give a shout out to sponsor wise, or just want to say hey to anybody? Oh, I, I got quite a list, but uh, I'll, I'll name the highlight ones for sure. Uh, so, Ballistic Fab, uh, they came on board with us somewhat with uh, the showstopper there, and we put down some pretty good results for him. And he's like, I want to do more, I want to do more, I want to help you out. And if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't be in a 4400 car right now. I mean, they're helping take care of some of the some of the parts. They have builder parts for anything you can imagine. I mean, if, if you're, you're welding, they, they've got something... They can that'll work for you. If not, they can make custom parts. Um, so they they stepped up huge and helped us out a lot this year. Like I said, we wouldn't be in the forty four hundred car without them. And then uh, we picked up some pretty decent name brands uh, through SEMA and just actually getting out there and visiting with some people that we don't have a chance to meet. It's a lot harder on the East Coast because you go to a West Coast race, all those all those companies are there, but. They don't ever show up to the East Coast races for some reason. Yeah, it's a, it's unfortunate. But, uh, there's a there's a whole market that they're missing there. Yeah, especially when you you, you figure in YouTube and like, especially the rock bouncers. I think that's a missed market altogether because YouTube views on rock bouncers is a hundred times what it is on any kind of endurance. Yeah, hundred percent. But uh, so we'll, we'll go with the forty four hundred. I'll just run down them real quick. I yeah. got Show Me Speed, which got me out of the pants there on the motor, and uh, NGK spark plugs. Warren, Brandy, Brandy got my axle too many times, speed strap, AJK off-road, Willwood disc brakes, Factor 55, and Steinjager. Steinjager makes uh, Heinz and all kinds of other parts as well. And then, I still the RS1, I guess, uh, Blessed helped us out with that on a bunch of building parts. Uh, Warren again, PRP, Aftermarket Assassins, they got us tuned up and ready to roll. Turn axles, uh, we got with them back when we started racing, and we've developed all kinds of upgrades to them, and man, it is truly impressive. Uh, Zebra's Racing, Deer River, L&W Fab, Speed Strap, and then on the Turbo S that we're running this year, uh, NCB, I mean, it's his car. I got lucky enough, he, he allows me to drive it and build it and rebuild it and repair it. He's pretty much the main muscle behind that, but we got Turner axles, uh, killer ball joints, little race tires on it as well. Uh, only Kevlar tire on the market. Uh, G-Force, just got with them on shocks, speed strap, ATV four play suspension, and on the radius rods. And I'm probably messing a bunch, but those are the, those are the major ones. Yeah. Uh, aftermarket Assassins just hooked us up on the ST. That's kind of why she does what she does now. So. Yeah, that's awesome. If you're looking for speed, he's your guy. And that's aftermarket assassins? 
Yeah, that's correct. Cool, cool. Um, what about for uh, anyone else that's on tap for you? you want to give a shout out to? Nah, so my boy Dakota, like I said, he spends as many hours, if not more, in the garage, building and prepping and getting the trailer ready. It's a second and third job all in itself, just trying to keep cars going. Yeah. And then uh, my buddy uh, Jesse Kiper, I grew up with, he does a lot of our welding and helps fabricate all our cages and stuff like that. Uh, he takes a lot of time out of his day to help us. And then have various uh, people that show up and help run the pits. That, that's the problem with endurance racing. It's not just a 30-second deal. So you have to have people in the pit to help you change tires, whatever. Yeah. And lucky enough, we've met a lot of other racers, especially side-by-side racers. So now in the 4400 class, we got a pretty good little pit crew. So I'd like to thank all of them for sure. Yeah. Well, anyone else? Oh, I think that's it. All right. Well, cool. Um, well, Anthony, it's been a pleasure. Um, if you don't mind, after we close out here, stay on the phone for me, and uh, we'll kind of talk for a few minutes. But um, it's been great. I really appreciate it. It's good to hear all the experience that you have, and I'm really excited to see uh, Wishful Thinking come out and show out here next weekend. Um, and I'm hopeful to see you on the East Coast a couple times uh, more this year. I know we'll be at Dirty Turtle for the Ultra 4 race. Um and between all this and that, uh, I appreciate you making time out of your schedule for me. And uh, I can't wait to get you on at the end of the season. Let's talk about how good the car did for the rest of the year. All right. Well, well thank you for having me. And I'll, also, I mean, I don't, I don't know how common this is, but like Joey and Tripp, you know, I'd like to thank them. Cause, and then uh, Dave and JT on Ultra 4, uh, people don't realize how much work it is to put on this this massive of a race. And... There's a lot of complaints of a lot of the races, but when you go back and think all the work they put into it, it's, it's truly amazing. Yeah, absolutely. We uh, we we hear every once in a while, but not enough for those guys. But with that, uh, with that, thank you for having me, and uh, I look forward to talking to you. Hopefully, after some some success here, <laughs> we'll get the car together. Well, that sounds good. Uh, and for today, uh, we appreciate you being on the show, and we'll uh, go ahead and close it out here. It's good to talk to you, man. Thank you.